Hello and welcome to the King Hero IndyCar Podcast with Kirby and Justin. Kirby, how are you? Doing well, Justin. How about yourself? I am contemplating the abyss. Please don't. You've got a lot to live for. Well, I don't even know if that was the proper use of the terminology and probably not politically correct to use in in terms of in light of the recent uh, submarine disaster. Well, it was definitely unfortunate. I hope it was quick and painless. Well, we could do a whole podcast on on that alone, I think, but we won't. No, the darkness I was referring to was the fact that I went to my wife gave me for I guess it was my birthday a uh, gift certificate to one of these, you know, racing experience things, right? Right, sure. And one, the choice was a NASCAR racing experience, and the other was a Mario Andretti racing experience. Gotcha. Now, I appreciate the thought. It was a good gift, and and you know, in another era, of course. Now that I actually, I don't, I don't think my wife actually understands that I drive race cars now. <laughs> we'll leave you're, that. You're so, you're you're working at driving race cars. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yes, but you know, I don't. I, I, I'd like to think that I'm beyond the experience level at this point, you know. But anyways, lest I digress, I go today to book it because I'm um, one of the venues is Las Vegas mm-hmm. uh, Raceway. While there's two, you know, supposed experiences that you could book for NASCAR or, you know, in a NASCAR car, obviously, or an Andretti in a, you know, open wheel car. I'm not sure you can actually book the open wheel car anymore. I think it might just all be NASCAR. Well, they're probably uh, moving out the old Indy cars and bringing in the the F1 cars, right, in Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, if they call it an F1 driving experience, well, there you go. But yeah. um, anyways, it's a little disheartening. It's just a reminder of, of kind of where we stand in today's society. Uh, drive, driving around a tin top around the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. The Oval, or they have a road course? The Oval. Okay. Well, you'll get a a taste for the other side. Perhaps in that car, I do need the experience, uh, as opposed to actually driving something. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm actually uh, in the process of booking a race as we speak, Curb, so. Um, wow. So have you got your license yet? Uh, in this particular racing series, called the Lucky Dog Racing Series, you don't need a license, which is a definite oh, bonus. Yes. Good. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so makes me a little concerned for you, but other than no, oh, look, everything's gonna be fine. Look, okay. <laughs> As they said before, they stepped into the submarine and were bolted oh, in. Oh, see, I'm gonna. I stopped myself from saying that. It's I too know, soon, but it's it's too soon. But uh, but what do you do? What God do you bless do? our souls. God bless our souls. Curb, uh, lots to talk about, uh, but as usual, I little time. Uh, shall we dive right in? Lead on. As you know, I took a, a bit of a holiday the last couple weeks. I yeah. took that opportunity to finish the Mark Donahue written book, Unfair Advantage, um, which I believe you might have given me. It's true. I did. Okay. Um, so thank you for that. So can I give a little bit of a review? You sure can. Book? Book, little you book sure review can. here. Um, book is called Un- The Unfair Advantage uh, by Mark Donahue, written um, not too far in advance of his of his unfortunate death, uh, testing uh, or, or uh, 
yeah, testing F1 car. I don't know if he was testing the F1 car in Austria or, or it was a uh, you know, practice, uh, but whatever. He, he he died in Austria in an F1 car. So it's a, it's a weird book to read just from that kind of aspect along because it's a very you know first person uh, you know kind of reads like a, a you know stream of consciousness type of, of book. So it's almost like you're being spoken to from the grave. Right. Um, so that was very interesting aspect of it. it. You know, the book gets a little tedious, honestly, gets a little tedious at times because, you know, Mark Donahue was kind of an engineer first and a driver second almost. So he gets a bit wonky uh, and very detailed about like each car they drove and like, you know, they had a bad run. So they tried, you know, adjusting the camber here. And, you know, I mean, he just really gets into the detail of like all the adjustments he's made for all these cars but when you when you read the whole thing and then take it in as a whole i mean a a couple things just jump out at you and those include his relationship with roger penske at a relatively early point in roger penske's career as a car owner and so forth that's fascinating to read about just those early days and even at that early days roger certainly commanded a lot of respect you can read through that in donahue's book but you know donahue was he was repairing the car engineering the car testing the car and driving the car in a race and 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 this was an era where they drove a bunch of different cars so sometimes he was in two or three series and you know at the same time driving penske cars in two or three series and and jumping in and out of these cars and testing them, trying to figure it out, going to Europe and working with Porsche, trying to you know work with their guys, and I mean it's just incredible. And the guy lived you know above the garage in you know Reading, Pennsylvania, or wherever that was. It's yeah, I mean he must he must have been the perfect Penske employee or, or Penske <laughs> partner. Yeah, I mean I, you can see where Penske probably just loved this guy, right? Right. Yeah. Um, and now you know he was doing the job of probably what there's you know even in IndyCar there's probably thirty people doing. And he was doing it all by himself. It is a, a, a good read. There's parts you can probably just kind of like skip over a little bit. But um, it is kind of fascinating insight to the era. It's a little fascinating insight to his relationship with uh, Roger Penske. And there are other drivers mentioned there and, and uh, of that era that, you know, are often you know put on pedestals here about what you know great people they are and so forth. And. Uh, let's just say Mark Donahue doesn't have that opinion, same opinion of all of them. <laughs> let's put it that way. Fascinating read from that standpoint. I think you have to be kind of a real race fan to 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 pick it up. But uh, if you are of that ilk, uh, not a bad read at all. Quite the review. Thank you. Okay. Glad. Sounds like you enjoyed it, though. I did. Kerb, did you? I, I must have missed it because I was, uh, you know, out of the country. Mm-hmm. Did I miss an Emma Dixon tr- uh, tweet about how crashing power at uh, practice was uh, race control's fault or Will's fault? Uh, if you did, I missed it, too. Um, I haven't heard about that. I mean, I say it somewhat facetiously, but you never know, right? The whole Dixon weekend was amazing to me in, in many ways. Right. And I, I watched the, the race, you know, several days after it occurred, but it, I don't think it matters. First of all, Dixon had that you know horrible mistake where he he, he crashed uh, power right into the wall. Right. Just cut over right in front of him. Didn't see him or whatever. And, and did that. 
then as far as I as far as I can tell, Emma Dixon has not sent a tweet since July of twenty two. Then he dropped some wheels off in qualifying, which sent him to the back. Then he goes to the race, is somewhat heralded as you know, you, I don't know. I was getting tired of it. Like, you know, Scott Dixon, you know, like this amazing comeback drive to five, right? Four, um, yeah. Or four, was it? Every time I heard it, it kind of me the wrong way. Because here's a guy who ruined another guy's weekend completely. I mean, just destroyed it. Right. And, I mean, they were pulling a screwdriver that they left in Will's car, right? But, you know, as he's trying to qualify, right? Right, um, sure. I mean, so he, he, let's let's not mince words here. Scott Dixon ruined Powers Weekend, okay? And through, you know, a little bit of luck and a little bit of good driving and whatever, you know, he ends up getting fourth in that, that race uh, where the other, you know, where he effectively took out one of his, uh, primary competitors and it did harken back to like this uh t- that tweet by emmett x and i just kept thinking about it about you know, how you know unfairly scott's been treated and you'd have to look at this last weekend as like hey man it, it, you know it's all hooks and roundabouts right you know sometimes it goes your way and sometimes it doesn't but scott dixon in my opinion did not deserve a fourth place at road america well, it's uh, pretty harsh on old Scott there. Um, you know, unfortunately, shit happens sometimes, and uh, it happened to, to Power by a by a Dixon's mistake. You know, on Sunday, Dixon and his team executed, and Power and his team didn't. I think they, from the time they both hit the wall on Saturday, they both they both had the opportunity to try to achieve the same result, and and so Dixon came back with a flawless day on Sunday, and and uh, Power didn't. I'm sorry. Congrats to Dixon for making something out of a, a bad starting position. And as a Power fan, I wish he'd have uh, had as clean a day as Dixon had. Well, I think you're being overly generous. I, I heard uh, heard Kevin Lee uh, this week on a podcast, and he said, because you guys talked to somebody on Sunday morning, they said, you know what, Power's going to or Dixon's going to start on red tires. So there'll be an accident on the first lap. He'll get off him, and he'll run blacks the rest of the way, and he'll finish on the podium. It was, I mean, that was just a prediction before the race. So, yeah, I don't know, I don't know why or how he's got a, the mystical power to to stay clean in races that other people don't seem to to uh, possess, but but he does, and gotta gotta recognize that for him. What did Flavor Flav say? I did not see him on the broadcast this week. So. No, neither. Too too uh, rural a setting, I think, for Flavor Flav. So, Curb, I I made the air of listening today. Um, yesterday <clears throat> yeah and they had to uh, mount a very very high horse and then began to pontificate on uh how terrible race control was and they pointed out the renus vk rosenquist incident and the jack harvey parent jump start incident at road america from a commanding uh perch atop a very high horse i don't necessarily disagree with a lot of what they had to say about the issue mm-hmm. it was more how it was said that kind of you know irked me but <laughs> but, but but i didn't necessarily uh disagree entirely i the jack harvey passing a bunch of people at the start i 
I couldn't tell whether you know it was green and therefore he had every right to do that or he did jump the start. It seemed to me that nobody seemed to particularly care because it was Jack Harvey. You know, it's <laughs> like whatever, he'll be he'll be to the back soon enough. Who cares? <laughs> right. You know, you almost got that feeling. Despite despite that, he still had two penalties of the day. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. We started missing that one. So I don't know. Well, we'll get to that in a minute, but I guess. But um I don't know. I, I definitely thought it was a missed call on the VK uh, Rosenquist thing. I mean, I think he definitely booted him out and uh Another non-call by race control. And don't get me wrong. I don't want these guys calling every little ticky-tack thing. But it right. does seem like maybe that was kind of over the line of like, come on, what, how can that not be a penalty? Let's see. No, I, I agree. I mean, I, the Rosenquist uh, BK thing was egregious. Um, I don't know how. It's right there on, on national TV. I don't know how they miss it. Um, Harvey thing, you know, I just remember back um, – when at St. Louis at Gateway a couple of years ago, where they were penalizing people left and right, they they all had excuses, right, that the pack was checking up and they couldn't jumping out of line to avoid uh, causing somebody. an accident, and they still yep. got penalized. Between the restarts at Indy and the restarts at Road America, or starts and restarts at Road America, it just seemed like they're letting these guys start awfully slowly, and therefore causing really big packs and and uh, inviting these problems where they're just jumping each other on these restarts before the green and creating problems going into turn one or wherever you're going. You're definitely hesitating to call, but the there's seems to be uh, uh, at least a movement on to uh, to rectify that situation. You know, there are a couple of different blocking calls on Sunday at Road America, one on Pato, I think, early in the race, and Ray Hall got one a little bit later. And, you know, they're just going down to that turn five and kind of fading on people. And they're they're calling blocking on that. But they somehow missed the Rosenquist, you know, VK thing. It just, it just makes you question or wonder. But where I was going with this before we kind of got derailed was that why isn't there a penalty for Scott Dixon for taking, you know, will power out? I know it wasn't during a race, but at the end of the day, like I said, I mean, that's when you look at what that ended up doing to power over the weekend, and you could argue, well, you know, he didn't recover well or whatever you want to say, but at the end of the day, I mean. It was crushing. It was crushing to his weekend. I'm sure there was a penalty in the practice session, right? You cause a red, you sit for five minutes in the pitch or something like that, which is all uh, obviously moot because of uh, he's obviously out of the out of the session. But um, I don't know what else you can do, right? I mean, well, I, I mean, know. you could take uh, some minutes off his uh, qualifying session. You could put it, you know, cause him some grid spots. You know, I think there's things you could do. I. Again, I, I'm not exactly calling for this, but it, it does make the mind wonder a little bit. It's like, what is really fair? Fortunately, incidents like that are fairly um, infrequent. I guess, unless it became more frequent, I wouldn't be inclined to be creating a rule for it. Yeah, I'm, I guess I'm kind of with you. We mentioned Jack Harvey. Is it time to start the watch curb? I, I am shocked he's still employed today, if you want to know the truth. I, You know, you had that two weeks from Detroit to... Road America and and Daly got the axe and Harvey had another pretty horrible weekend and um, I thought somebody would get the axe this week and I I was predicting him and I'm shocked he's still with the team. I am a little bit as well and I was trying I was scratching my head a little bit I'm like why are they keeping him around and the only conclusion I could come come to is that maybe it made Graham look a little better. <laughs> Because Lungard's certainly showing up Graham a bit. 
I don't know if they just think that uh, there's no there's nobody out there that's guaranteed to do any better, I guess, is the only thing I can think of. I'm surprised. They're currently out of the money as far as leader circle goes, and and they're going in the wrong direction. I will be shocked if he's in the car at Iowa. I, if they haven't taken him out by now, I don't know when they're going to. you got to think hy is being like, come on, man. What do you got here for me? They've already expressed that, I think. That's why hy on Lungard's car now and not on Harvey's. Yeah. Um, the other thing that you touched on there was uh, daily out, Ryan Hunter Ray in at Ed Carpenter Racing. I think you were a bit prescient, Curb, when what you said that you thought somebody's head was going to roll. I think we both kind of dismissed daily because we thought – he was in solid enough because he brought in Bitnile, which apparently we were wrong about. But it sounds like there was a personality conflict there. Both those things have been called into question this week, I think, in a Nathan Brown article. I don't remember if I sent it to you or not. But um, but it turns out the story of, of Connor Daly reeling in that, that sponsor on a on a weekend binger at, uh, in Las Vegas is a bit inflated. Sounds like. Ed Carpenter Racing was already making inroads there, and he kind of just helped seal the deal. Secondly, Ed Carpenter has gone out of his way this week to to dispute and discount the reports by they that uh, personality conflicts and, and episodes of angry uh, fights or something led to the uh, the split. And uh, it sounds like Ed Carpenter still can't say enough good things about Connor Daly as a person. A little uh, dispute there as to whether that's actually the truth or not. Well... From Ed Carpenter's standpoint, I would think it makes completely rational sense. Why not put a real experienced shoe in there, Ryan Hunter Ray, and see if you know he brings something to the table that you've overlooked? It's not illogical, is it? Well, no. I think that what nobody seems to have disputed so far is I don't think they were getting good feedback from the driver in terms of how to fix the problems, right? I mean mm-hmm. – we're having trouble here. Uh, this is happening. This is happening, but he's not really telling them what he needs to, to fix it. Hunter Ray could certainly help him there. Plus, Hunter Ray has experience in a lot of different teams and can maybe help him with the team dynamic and, and the processes that successful teams have used to to find success. Yeah. Look, he survived Andretti for how many years? He was there when they did well, too, though. I mean, so that's true. He's, <laughs> he's seen it all. What a what a post quality qualifying interview with uh, Will Power. He <laughs> didn't have to be prompted. That was the funniest part about it. Was <laughs> it's fantastic. Kevin again. Kevin Lee said he was ready to throw it back to the booth or whatever, and then Power just kept on talking. <laughs> he, had to, he had to stick with it and he couldn't let it go. No, it's it's fantastic. Vintage Will Power to to just attack the track like that was awesome, and then. Yeah. Uh, and then just I know, I'm gonna just throw Grosjean in there for for the hell of it, you know. That guy needs a punch in the mouth. Um, fantastic stuff. Grosjean seems to be running out of friends in the paddock, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think even at Andretti, he seems to be running out of friends because he's all of a sudden not performing, and his teammates oh aren't. <laughs> you, you said he was desperate at, at Detroit. My God, that drive in Road America. I mean, how many times was he off the track? He was all over the place. I don't know. Um, apparently, he's jumping around, raving, saying the car's broken and blah, 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 blah. But, man, my God. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard or read somewhere that he's wearing a little bit thin on his team because he's just complaining nonstop all the time and, and and not providing any suggestions for improvements or whatever. So, I don't know. I don't know what's happened. I mean, he and Olivier Bosson, right, were the French tandem there, and they 
worked well together at Coin. They seemed to work well together last year at Andretti. And now all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the last what handful of races, it's just turned south on him. He's driving uh, like a desperate man. I think you're right, and it's not it's not manifesting itself in a positive way. So. Yeah, I mean, he was uh, in a really happy place the first what three or four races of the season, and it's just all gone south. You know, there was talk about them being close on a contract back in the spring, and now you don't hear about that anymore. You know, sometimes I look at the the drivers and the teams and whatnot, and silly season approaches, and I'm almost wondering now if there's enough good drivers to fill the good slots. You know, you read my mind. I was just about to say the exact same thing. It's going to be an interesting season because I'm seeing a lot of holes and not too many names to fill them with. Erickson, Rosenquist are your probably your top free agents, right? Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's entirely possible Plow just goes straight to F1 next year and skips the McLaren seat. And now all of a sudden you got holes at Ganassi, holes at McLaren, holes at Andretti. Kerb, I was going to shide you about your comments from last podcast yes. where we were arguing over the future of a one Mr. Alex Palau, and you were baffled by why he would do anything but stay at Ganassi. We agreed to disagree, and I uh, said that uh, Formula One was the reason and that he had to go or was going to go away from that team. You uh, at the time, and I think I quote here, said a Formula One for Alex Palau was a pipe dream. Do you intend in this podcast two weeks later to walk that comment back? Well, um, I I guess I must. Uh, There's probably no way to no way to uh, get around that. Um, I think I still think that getting to F1 through McLaren is a pipe dream, but it's sounding like he might have other opportunities elsewhere on the grid. And I mean, start you start looking at that field in F1. I mean. Alex Palau or Yuki Sonoda, I got to tell you, I'm all over Alex. Okay, well, I'm at a severe disadvantage to talk about the whole field in that one. But, um, but well, it's, it's, uh, pick Sargent, you know, the great American driver in F1 now, you know. Alex Palau or him. Right. I'm taking Alex Palau. You're talking about taking care of tires being uh, a challenge for people coming into Formula One. and um, But I think that's one of his great strengths in IndyCar, so hopefully that wouldn't be an issue for him. Daniel yeah. Ricardo or Alex Palau. Curb, which one are you taking? Oh, I think uh, it'd be hard for me to, to pick between the two, but I, if you put a gun to my head, I have to say Palau. Yeah, I thought so. So when you start thinking about these things, it's like, uh, yeah, it's I think it's entirely possible. And the guy is looking, I mean, let's face it, Curb, another dominating performance. I mean, in a, in a spec car, he's still running away from fields. I mean, maybe Herta had something for him in, in – yeah. uh, Road America, if uh, he hadn't been Andretti-ized. <laughs> uh, but he was the only one. I, I, I think Andretti probably would have run the race if Andretti hadn't screwed up on the, on the pitch strategy. Col- Colton uh, Herta. Sorry, you said Andretti. If you, I'm, I'm sorry. Colton Herta for Andretti. You know, I've, I've been sympathetic um, with Andretti's plight in terms of getting into Formula One. But they aren't exactly covering themselves in glory as a team and looking like uh, somebody that Formula One just has to have. Kirby said, um, or I said that I thought Will Power gave the best uh, post-qualifying interviews. You know who gives the worst interview? Uh, who am I going to say? Joseph Newgarden. No. Okay. Uh, Scott Dixon. Okay. Yeah, you're not going to help me here. No, I'm pa- missing. Pato Award. He gives the worst. I, I challenge you to go back and watch like any. Uh, interview he does and he he says nothing 
It's like, yeah, yeah, well, you know, yeah, that's the way it was. Yeah. No, well, we got to try better. Or, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's terrible. I think he's a little moody. So um, when he's in a down mood, he can't express himself very well. How's that? Doesn't seem like it. I'm going to give a little shout out to uh, Mr. Peterson. It was a surprise qualifying performance, I got to say. I agree. It so. gives me it gives me hope that maybe he's an actually decent driver, you know, with just a bad team. I'm not willing to say that yet, but it gives me some hope that that's the case. It also gives me hope that uh, Michael Cannon is starting to make an impact. Could be, too. Curb, we're at the middle of mid-Ohio. We'll be halfway through a season. And I think the general rule of thumb has been you got to be 100 points close to the uh, first or better to be in, in the hunt. Right? Right. I think that's gen- been the general rule of thumb. Under that general rule of thumb, if points were to be static at this point, you'd have five drivers in it. Even more fascinating about this is, like, if you if you drew the line at 70, nobody's in it. If you started with uh, Erickson in second place and went 100 points, you're all the way down to 13th would be, you know, would be in the technically uh, within 100 points and then yeah. still in the fight. Yeah, so, yeah, it's just kind of the same way of looking at the same thing. But, I mean, Alex Plo is dominating this season. Just yeah. both seen it before. Alex Zanardi, uh, Montoya in his day, Bourdais in his day. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm probably missing a couple others here. Just on another planet to everybody else. The naysayers are all saying that uh, he hasn't had a, a bad day yet or a DNF yet. and in this fantastically competitive series that's bound to happen once or twice over the course of a season to everybody. So, but he seems like a pretty unflappable young man behind the wheel. And even on a bad day, he'll make something out of nothing. Well, not only that, but yeah. And maybe he'll have the good sense like, Oh, there's VK. I think I'll (laughs) avoid him. Oh, there's Groshan. I think I'll avoid him. You know? Oh, there's Stingray Rob. I'll just pass him up quickly. I mean, you know, the the year that he won two years ago, he was kind of in a similar. He wasn't this far ahead, but I mean, he was in front and uh, what has an accident at Gateway, I think, and and loses an engine at the the August uh, Indy Grand Prix race, and and still came back and did what he needed to do to to, to seal the deal. So he could have one or two of those, and I think he'll still be the guy. Any uh, thoughts on Mid Ohio? It was almost uh, uh, in the years past. It's almost been you just you you reflexively say. Scott Dixon. Well, I think you can still probably say uh, Chip Ganassi Racing would <laughs> be so, but it's the usual suspects. I don't think anything out of the ordinary is going to pop up there. Um, oh, I had one other thought. Saw an interview with the CEO of Liberty Media, who owns Formula One. Yep. You know, of course, the guy that was interviewing him, they were all dazzled about Formula One this and Formula One that, and blah, blah, blah. But it came up that sometimes it isn't always the most exciting product on the track because – you know, one team's running away with it, and one driver's running away with it, and so on and so forth. And he says, yeah, but, you know, you got to watch, you got to look back at the midfield. There's so much good racing going on there. I've got a stat here from Montreal. He says, there were 77 passes during the race on Sunday at Montreal. So we're really making headway in, in terms of putting out an exciting product here on the track. And uh, at the time, I thought, that doesn't sound like that many. And then I listened to my Trackside podcast uh, yesterday, and over 400 passes on track not including the pits, over 400 passes on track during the uh, r- race at Road America. So, 
They got a long way to go. They're living in a, a very comfortable bubble there in Formula One. They really are, but I'm telling you, at, at least at this point, it just doesn't look like that's going to bait anytime soon. Uh, Curb, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, Verstappen won the last race in Canada by by a long shot. He did. Yeah. So can really I give good. you the winner of the of the of all the races so far this season, Curb? Just I'm just going to list the winners. Okay. You go ahead. Max Verstappen. Sergio Perez, Max Verstappen, Sergio Perez, Max Verstappen, Max Verstappen, Max Verstappen, Max Verstappen. Well, I think he, I think he uh, had enough of uh, letting Perez win a couple races. <laughs> and Red Bulls won every single race and millions and millions of people watching it and paying ungodly amounts of money to go watch a race. Right. All right, Curb, let's, uh, let's wrap her up. All right, Twitter. At Hero... IndyCar at H-I-R-O IndyCar. And any sponsors? Hashive, global cryptocurrency mining coming soon. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Uh, Enjoy the weekend off, and we'll talk to you after mid-Ohio.